Hey everybody, welcome back to our low-effort, low-quality podcast. This is Liz Brunig, this is my husband Matt. Hello everyone. And today we're talking about our favorite television program, Undercover Boss. We sure are. We've looked back at some of our favorite episodes, uh, but Matt has thought very carefully about how to structure this discussion. And uh, so we're going to start off with, uh, with, of course, a little bit of hot topics. And then we're going to give you a general overview of uh, Undercover Boss, the structure thereof. And then we're going to talk about uh, some highlights from the program. Yeah, I think that's very neatly organized. You know, That's what people want in a podcast. Yeah, you don't want it to be chaotic. You want to let's get the the morsels let's get them well well you know lined up and easy to digest people don't want to have a conversation they just don't want to listen to you talk they want packets of information delivered efficiently yeah it's like a subheading in a piece you know get those subheadings make sure people know where they're at would you prefer a bulleted list to an article i like axios people you know people say bad things about it but you know, there are some things I want to read long articles on. 90% of the stuff I don't. You know, all I need is four bullet points. Mueller did an indictment, blah, blah. That's all I need. I don't really care about any of the rest of it. What's your ideal conversation like? Well, I don't know. That's a real abstract question. I don't li- dislike conversation side. This is not an anti-conversation point, but, you know, we're making content for the masses. It's a different kind of thing. I feel like when people listen to the podcast... Part of the fun part is like joining in on a fun conversation. Yeah, but structured, you know, but structured. We can have our fun, but we need to get our info too. We need to get the info to the people. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should go into our first section, which is hot topics. Yep, hot topics. What are hot topics? Well, there's uh, Trump and Putin. They were in Helsinki. Oh, yeah. I love Finland. Not Helsinki in particular necessarily. What's wrong with Helsinki? Well, I don't know. I just I try to distinguish between the economic institutions and the geography and that sort of thing. People try to put them together, but I've, I've been very narrow, narrowly enjoy the the way they've set up their economy. Not necessarily anything else about the countries. People will come over and they'll be like, oh, Matt, do you like, I mean, the natural beauty of Scandinavia and the food? Matt's like, I don't care, whatever. Not what I'm interested in. Don't you care. Know? I've, got a, I've got a public park right right outside my house here. I mean, come on. You're a sick man, Matt. A mountain is a mountain, is it not? You're a sick man. That's just how I approach it. I think it's important to keep that distinction, too, because sometimes people will be like, oh, did you see uh uh, Sweden did this, and I'm like, I don't. I'm not talking about. Oh, this thing happened in Sweden. There was a grenade. I'm not talking about the guy <laughs> who threw the grenade. I'm talking about the the laws and the rules and that sort of thing. I'm not endorsing everything that's ever gone on in Sweden. You know, that's where. So I think it's important. You got to hold that line. You got to hold that line, especially in casual conversation. Feel <laughs> like your habit of holding down hard lines in casual conversation. Makes you one of the more interesting conversation partners I've ever had. You know, you just got to be careful. You don't want to slip into something you're not trying to say just because. That's how they get you. That's how do is how they get you. That's how they get you. And Those conversation if, partners. If you're on the left, you know, this especially, That's you got to be especially That's careful true. because if you make a little slip up in, in the way that you answer a question or something, People just jump down your throat in the way that they don't for other people. So if you, true. if you keep it clean and you keep it tight and you never get off into stuff, you know, that's mushy or, un- or uncertain, that, that's the only way, you know, you got to you got to be three, four five times as as tight and clean as, as everyone else in the discourse. That's the only way you can you can win. I feel like win the conversation. Absolutely. Conversations, uh, blog, blog wars. Flame wars, you know, one, uh, one thing that helps, forum um, fights. One thing that helps in conversation is closing your eyes and not looking at the other person. I've noticed that's a tactic that you use. It stabilizes them. They don't know what's going on. Is that really about them or is it more about you? No, it helps me. It helps me think. If I'm looking at someone, I, um, you know, I just get anxious and, and I, I'm not able to process what they're saying. And so... It, def- it definitely throws people off, though. 
I don't know what to make of the fact that you just close your eyes and talk. I don't close my eyes usually, but I do look away. I only close my eyes when I'm really thinking. Your, your eyes are closed right now. Yeah, but we're podcasting, so <laughs> got to think, you know, got to, it's intense. <laughs> you got to be right on the ball when you're making a joke podcast with your wife or else they're going to get you. <laughs> you know, it's just going out to the masses. I know. So yeah. I got to focus. So, uh, what else was in hot topics this week? Uh, so everybody's freaked out about Putin because he like used ads and DNC leaks to hack the election. Are you, uh, you worried? You freaked out? No, I don't really care. I mean, I guess like it's bad, but you know, what is it that he's alleged to have done? They, they took emails and they leaked them to people and showed people true emails, not fake emails. Yep. And said, hey, this is what's going on in the DNC. It looks bad. These emails don't look good to me, some of them. So, you know, he hacked the election by ex- exposing reality. Uh, and then they did Instagram ads. A lot of Facebook ads as well. A lot of Facebook ads. That is as far as I understand what has been established. Maybe there's more stuff coming, but if it was like, uh, he showed people how bad the DNC is with true, real evidence, <laughs> and he did Instagram ads that was like, wasn't one of them, it was like, it was like woke it was like woke black account or something they were all really 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 funny actually it was so ridiculous and it It was was like like really funny that anyone bought it (laughs) (laughs) it was like like bad english and like weird statements i mean it was like just like true form shit posting Nah, it wasn't really shit posting because they didn't you know they 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 were trying it just like if you're trying to mimic (laughs) styling of you know like I don't know, like, like a, a woke s- internet user, a woke social justice warrior who's against Hillary, but you're also Russian. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also a Russian teen. Yeah, I don't think that that turns out very well. Typically, you're like going into your IRC channel, being like, uh, "What's a slang word for a conservative?" They're just Google translating a bunch of, you know, Russian stuff they've come up with. I mean, it's. I'm not saying it's good, but I am saying it's funny. A lot of it is quite funny, <laughs> and it does seem to be real hysterical, the response. I mean, I get it's a state actor, but, I mean, is that really the only... We we do need to, at some level, distinguish between who the actor is and what what is the gravity of the crime here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, the yeah. two are get muddled really quickly. And the, the, like and the reality is that the United States has, has distorted and messed with elections in other countries in much more criminal and disturbing ways. Oh, yeah. Up to and including assassinations. The U.S. doesn't play spots. around. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> run ads. It just kills the people. Right, right, right. Well, just we knock them out, man. When we meddle with elections, it's not just like... Uh, going on facebook and being like hillary clinton has weak pneumonia pass out in 80 degree heat <laughs> meddling and, is probably yeah. a too too is i don't know if meddling Rigor, with an election yeah. is really Fix the them. right word it's just like oh you were a socialist uh leader in latin america all right i guess you have to die now that's sort of america's approach yeah rest um, in peace sorry but it, i'm not trying to make a like Oh, we do. What about them? I'm also no, I'm just, just saying putting like, it in the context of wider election meddling and saying like the point that you're making about the gravity of the crime versus the involvement of the actor. It, there seem to be three degrees here. It's like the crime itself and then the actor involved and then the reaction of the sitting administration. Those are the three layers. Oh, and it's yeah. like it's the latter two layers where I think that all the attention is actually focused. But on the first point, there is the... There is some humor there, actually. Yeah, well, but people are people are focused on the latter two. All of it goes feeds back into the point that you know this is why Hillary lost and that sort of thing. That's why right. the sort of resistance types are interested in it. They're not interested in it because, oh, what kind of public statement did he make in a summit? What kind of yeah, right, exactly. It's like it goes back to uh, this was an illegitimate rigged election or whatever. Right. That, that's like the thing it's feeding. No, I think it, it's it's um, completely like um, it's a way of coping with the shock of Trump winning. Right. I mean, like it it can't it could not have been real. It must have been something else, something extraneous, uh, something international, something 
outside of the United States and, and anti-democratic and illiberal came in and made this happen, even though as far as I know, it's, it's kind of indeterminate how much of an effect. Well, you'll never be able to yeah. isolate the effect of an email leak or Taking something like that. Pool, on yeah. the, oh, it was worth one percentage point or something. Um, I mean, but I actually yeah. don't know that this is like, oh, we need to explain the shocking act. I actually think it, you know, for a lot of people, it's we need to uh, uh, we need a reason for why we it wasn't our fault. I mean, for a lot yeah. of the people in the in the chattering classes, yeah. Um, it's uh, a way of, you know, shifting responsibility for a colossal failure, which was the failure of every major institution in D.C. Was the failure of most of the labor unions in D.C., whom I love. I love the labor unions. That's right. They did line up behind Clinton. I wrote about that. Yeah, most of them did. They thought she was going to win, Completely so they lined ridiculous. up yeah, Obviously, Bernie yeah. was the better labor candidate on paper and, like, in everything he's ever done in his life. Yeah. But, oh, we got to get behind Clinton. It's like, okay. You know, so you got to at that point be like, wow, we <laughs> we betrayed our underlying principles in order to make a strategic, you know, real politic uh, endorsement. And then that endorsement lost to Donald Trump, you know, and that's true, not just of the unions, but all sorts of institutions and media figures and so on. And so, you know, you're naturally going to want to find some way to be like, nope, wasn't me, wasn't me. It was it was actually Putin. Wasn't us. We didn't make we didn't make a even world historical miscalculation um there was right. actually was rigged there was something else all along that explained why this perfect candidate didn't win yeah i, I that's just my view that's just my guessing you know i'm not i don't not inside I think anyone's that's brains that's definitely a possibility i think that's a possibility for what's motivating the because there's an extraordinary level of emotional investment in what's happening here yeah well, just it's also yeah. just true of everyday life. The ways people operate in anything psychologically, yeah. it, you know, they f people are not honest about their mistakes. They they come up with narratives about things that they've done that justify them and that sort of thing. And this is right in line with that kind of psychological tendency. So, do you think it also might, you know, it? I don't know if people are thinking this rationally, but do you think that? really amping up the role of of Russian interference in the election outcome might be a way to avoid kind of or or to battle changes that are happening inside the party to be like look we don't actually need to change the the, the fear left it doesn't need to happen that's a that's a problem and it's a red herring etc cetera, etc cetera. we only lost this election because of interference it was malevolent and the policies aren't a problem the message isn't the problem uh we need to we need to stay on course right on the center and uh and the veer left needs to needs to be contained the kind of joe lieberman line right yeah i mean i think it's that's somewhat implied by the it wasn't our fault because obviously if it wasn't our fault then the our strategy and our politics are not at issue um but but i don't know i mean it seems like the democrats are softening up a little bit you think um, so? Yeah. I mean, look at all the contenders for 2020. That's right. They're just fighting, just just clawing over one another to try to get at the top of the left. You know? Right. <laughs> like, you know, who's going to say abolish ICE? Who's going to say yeah. job guarantee? Who's going to say Medicare for all? Who's going to say, you know, it's like every little thing that pops up on the left. It's who's, who's going to be the first one to it and establish their bona fides. So, yeah. You know, I don't know if that's true of the party generally, but it's definitely true of everyone running for president. So mm -hmm. not everyone, but a lot of them. The establishment left, or I should say the establishment Democratic Party, at least figures in the media, uh, had, an, uh, I think, a surprisingly warm response to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I thought they were going to be flaming pissed about that, but they decided to roll with it. That's true. Yeah, that was a very positive reaction for the most part. But um, the Democrats in office did not. Pelosi did not signal any true. kind of warmth or. Uh, that's true. Uh, anyway, whatever. Fuck, this is getting boring. This is no longer hot topics. This has become regular punditry. All right. Well, like, let's move on then. Yeah. Well, is there, are there any are there any really spicy topics? Good job to the cave guy, the cave dude in Thailand. Yeah, I think that's old. Though. Is that old? Yeah. Kudos must be given. I've been kind of underground. I'm working on a big project, as you know. 
Yeah, me too. So, well, mine's uh, bigger, um, but I've been sort of burrowed. Yeah, well, it is. Um, so I've been just kind of burrowed underground. Um, similar. I would say they're similar. I would, well, uh, think about it. Videos. How many videos do you have? I have one. We I think we have uh, four videos. Yeah, but four mine's total of four videos. That brand Doherty Johnson. That's you that's do worth five videos at least. <laughs> you think so? One animated video is worth five. Yeah, videos. not just an animated video. It's a brand it is a beautifully Doherty animated Johnson, the brand man himself, the DJ, brand DJ at brand DJ on Twitter. The BDJ, the animator of the left, giving color, life, and beauty to the left. Amazing. It is beautiful. I've seen it. It is gorgeous. We do have four videos, though. I just wanted to point that out. Okay. I think we might have some illustrations as well. Oh, I've got plenty of illustrations and pics, everything in mind. <laughs> we have we have pics. Oh. We have some vintage pics. We have old pics, new pics. Me too. You saw it. We got fonts. I've got fonts. The John White. John White briefly. I think that's his. Uh, <laughs> that's, <your fault. laughs> that's his Twitter at John White. Briefly, he's uh, doing this paper for us, the Social Well Fund paper. Designing it. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I saw it. Fonts. I mean, it's it's unbelievable <laughs> what he's done. We got. Uh, if got you need <laughs> graphical design, contact John White at John White briefly on Twitter. If you need a video, contact Brand Doherty Johnson, Brand DJ. We'll have codes up shortly. Codes in the description, uh, discount codes for if you contact them. No, I haven't arranged. Oh. I haven't arranged that, unfortunately. Oh. That'll be in the description, though. Post hoc. We have uh, audio elements. Yeah, video has audio. No, but I mean, we got audio elements separate from video. Yeah, wasteful. You suggesting it's bloat. It's but good. It's good. We can't talk about it, so I guess we should move on. I guess we should we're move just on. But it's talking in <laughs> abstractions about <laughs> we stuff we're not allowed to reveal the contents of. It's we probably have not too good. We grouping. have some we both have big pieces of content coming out with you. Uh big projects that we've been working on. I'm gonna on. release we're gonna release them on the same day. No, we're not. That's and absolutely see who gets the most clicks. We're gonna make a Twitter poll. <laughs> You can tell us which one is better. <laughs> no, objective metrics. <laughs> objective using, metric um, only. Yeah. Yeah, using the clicks. Clicks and mentions and, you know, shares. Matt will put together a program that will run the metrics, and then I'm sure he'll be very gracious if he wins. I don't think I'll win, though. I don't know. It's too niche. Mine's too niche. It'll blow up in its niche, but it w your ears is uh, society-wide interest. So. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Everything can always go horribly wrong. Don't forget that. Uh, so that's Hot Topics. And now let's move on to Under... Cover Boss, the greatest television program on DC. Marxist on TV, uh, Marxist agitprop. And I, I want to be serious here for a second. Okay. It is the best television show of the 21st century. <laughs> and I, not in a, oh, man, he's doing a bit. No, 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 no. Honest to God, I've watched every episode of this. I, I mean, that's probably 200 hours yeah. that I've spent watching this. It's unbelievable. It is the most incredible television show I've ever seen in my life. The most left-wing <laughs> television show running on C on CNBC or was it NBC? Running on a major network. And then OWN. It's just, yeah, now it runs constantly on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Um, no, mostly because it's like a feel-good. It's not, I guess, explicitly left-wing, but like... It, it's a feel-real-bad oh. show, actually. No, because at the end, they, yeah, they, yeah. Oh, they, they yeah. mop up all the human misery yeah. that they reveal in the, in the middle. Um, but it is really good. It uh, is. It's I a good show. There's good. It it has all the elements. You it has. Uh, it has deception. It has drama. It has characters. How businesses work to some degree, which is interesting to me. Yeah, it's, it has the mad kind of stuff Matt's into, which is how things work, and um, the characters are without fail amazing. Absolutely. So yeah. So tragedy. I mean, just to situate it here yeah, for a second. Explain it, Matt. Undercover boss. It 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 comes. Uh, its first episode airs in February of 2010. Yeah. Okay. So how old are you then? How old was I? I was 22. Okay. 
it was so you know february 2010 we're at nearly 10 percent unemployment gdp has gone down a lot we've had a huge recession the worst situation since the great depression Okay, and so this is the context in which they launch this. And and they don't just, it's not just, oh, this is interesting. This was happening at the same time historically, like that kind of analysis you yeah. get with a lot of like art. Like, yeah. ooh, it, this must have informed. They just straight out tell you that that's what it's about, which is great for someone like me. And so like they start the episodes, you know, their title sequence for the first few seasons. They change it later. It's It, it starts like this, and this is a verbatim quote. The economy is going through tough times. Many hardworking Americans blame wealthy CEOs out of touch with what's going on in their own companies. But some bosses are willing to take extreme action to make their own companies better. Boom. So they're just like the economy is in the tank. Yep. People hate wealthy CEOs. Facts. And then these wealthy CEOs are going to go undercover. They're going to pretend to be workers or whatever, and they're going to figure out what's wrong with their company. Yeah. Now, that becomes a sort of propagandist element. Right. I mean, and that is the intention of the show, and certainly the only reason why all these companies were willing to participate in it is because they go to them and they say, hey, this is going to be great public relations for your company. And it's almost like when you, you, you get the whole list of companies involved, and you're like, look at all these corporations. They've come together to make a propaganda show about how they're trying to do better. <laughs> yes. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm trying to delete it. I'm trying <laughs> to, like, that's exactly what it is. The whole show is like that. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. genius. And they're, like, directly telling you, hey, I know you feel really bad about how uh, everything's blown up. Um, but we're, we're listening. We're here to listen, and we're, we're going to do better now. To listening uh, to her. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so it's like, it's kind of, they just straight out tell you that this is a way to try to calm you down after we, uh, you know, threw you out of work and all that kind of stuff. Fired um, a bunch of you and laid you off. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and people go for it. Oprah Winfrey, you know, is running on our network now. It's like, oh, this is really feel good TV. Um, but yeah, so so that's sort of the premise. And then, and then the way the show goes is they get a CEO or sometimes they'll get someone else, you know, in the upper management and they will uh, disguise them mm -hmm. and and then they'll they'll tell employees or at least this is how they present it on the show. I'm, I'm quite certain a good deal of this is probably fake or something, but they, they, they tell the people on the show that, hey, this guy's coming in or this lady and we're, we have some game show yeah, yeah, where yeah. they need to learn you know how to be a dry cleaner or something and and if they do they win some money or or something like that or it might just be like oh we're doing a show about people who are changing their careers in the middle yeah. of their life they basically trick them into thinking it's some other kind of show right. that way they can you know like why are their cameras following yeah me everywhere? right, right like exactly. that, that's how they try to fix that problem or at least that's how they present how they try to fix that problem um, and then the ceo goes in and you know, in, invariably, the first one of the first things that happens is the CEO can't do the job. Yeah. And like, it's just awful at working uh, any of the jobs in their company. Yeah. And that becomes a source of humor. But like also, you know, from a left wing perspective, it's like the boss, you know, what's the old slogan? You don't need the boss. The yeah. boss needs you. Right. And they just straight out are like, yeah, the boss, you know, can't do shit. Yeah. You don't need him. He can't even... He can't even twist a pretzel at Auntie Anne's. Yeah, he doesn't even know how to dip, you know, candles at Yankee Candle. He can't do n the stuff that right. actually makes the company run. You don't, right. need, you don't need him. Right. Um, that's like the, <laughs> the message to some <laughs> degree if you want to take that away. Which is amazing. Um, yeah, so that's like a piece of every episode, more or less, is that this person's incompetent and can't do the work right. um, of their business. And then the second thing is they get all these human interest stories, of course, where they, 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 the boss ends up meeting three or four specific employees who, who have obviously been pre-selected for one reason or another. Right. And they always go off during break time or something, and they tell them um, some sob story about their life. Right, they have like a tragic backstory. Yeah, and like I would say a good 80% of the stories 
stories in their life have to do with how bad their <laughs> yes. jobs are. Yeah, the working conditions and the. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I can't see my kid anymore. Yeah, uh, my husband, he's has cancer, and we can't afford to pay for it, and that sort yeah. of like these are things that you know, <laughs> if you had a better job, you wouldn't have these issues. Right. Um, and. And so you get that, and the the guy, the the CEO, you know, is kind of getting emotional mm-hmm. by being confronted by all the human misery of the people that they employ. Um, in many cases, misery driven by the conditions of employment. Yeah. And then at the end of the show, the boss gives the four carefully selected employees gifts that are related to their misery and like solves yeah, their yeah. misery. That's the real moment. Is like the moment where you get an audience with the king. Yes, well, and that's the yeah. that's the thing that drives the Oprah Winfrey yeah, treatment absolutely. of it. That, that's the real game. It's like I I feel your pain and I'm going to fix it. And it is like they present it, and sometimes you like feel really happy for the person. The person starts crying. Yeah. Like they really it does. You you do feel you feel amazing for them. It's like you know. Uh, well, I have to live in a motel four hours away from my wife and kids so I can get to work every day because this is the only job within four hours of my city. And they're like, I'm, I'm going to buy you a house right around the corner from this golden corral. Yeah. And, and you're like, well, person, that's probably really wow. good for this guy. Oh, and it's I'm, good. It's life changing for I, sure. Life changing really for most I'm, of the people on the I'm show. Super glad. But but they only solve that particular that worker's one guy's issue. Really, and this can't be the only. <laughs> it can't be because most of the right. problems are related to the job. So it's like unless you're going to up the wage level for everyone, the fact that you you know, made a big wealth transfer to these selected workers doesn't solve the problem. Right. And I mean, and um, you're certainly, I mean, it's not that you're, it's not like I would take it away from the workers who get their problems solved. I'm glad that that happened for them. But, uh, the show certainly puts into focus that you're only seeing the tip of an iceberg. Of yes. What must be a huge iceberg. Right. Of massive and you, misery and suffering. And if you have any reflection, you, you see that immediately like, Oh my God. Ooh. And then all he did was like, he just kind of helped this one. Yeah. Like, Oh, oh man, this is really bad. Just this person um, who had the fortune of running into him. Yeah. Happened to be on this game show. Basically. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's completely reminiscent of like the King goes for a hunt in the woods, dressed like a peasant and like, uh, a woodsman who happens to be nice to him gets like a palace. Right. And you're like, well, I'm glad that happened, but there's a lot of poor people out there. But like in the process of trying to deliver this propaganda message of the CEOs really care about you and they're trying to help you in the process of getting all the way to the end of that episode in each episode, they reveal both that the CEO is incompetent and can't do the work. And also that their workforce is, by and large, clearly in total misery. Yeah. And I mean, these are not great jobs for the most part, right? So we're not, so we're talking about like working class, blue collar type jobs. And like, (laughs) wow, like this was a long way to go to get to that payoff and hope that people don't realize and kind of grit their teeth in the meantime and be like, oh my God. Um, Yeah, these are not like professional class jobs. Yeah, they, um, you know, pulling back the curtain. but yeah, so that's the basic premise, and it's amazing. Every every episode, for the most part, is amazing. I, I also feel like one of the understated glories of Undercover Boss is the makeup and hair people who who disguise the bosses clearly hate the shit out of them and make <laughs> them look like total dipshits. <laughs> oftentimes, like, they do look really quite bad. It's uh, it's really funny. And then oftentimes, the bosses are completely out of their minds. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, so it does attract... You know, it attracts people who are parts of big national brands that are, you know, their company is just looking for a 40-minute infomercial about how they care about their workers. Um, It attracts those, but then it also will attract these companies that are maybe not, like, big national brands, but are led by, like, nutcases who, like, love the fame and love the whatever. And those people are really, uh, really out there. Totally Um, bananas. Yeah. So... There's also there's sometimes some real lack of self-awareness. And so, the I mean, you'd be surprised because obviously, like you're saying, these people go into it for an infomercial for their company. But sometimes some stuff they catch on camera is actually quite disturbing in terms of workplace treatment. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. That, that is the weird aspect of it yeah. is like if this was a purely fake, like scripted thing, some of the stuff on it is so bad. It's really, really bad. Like labor violations. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. There's illegal stuff on there. Well, partially. I mean, uh, when I th- I was watching this when I was still at the NLRB, and one of the main things that we uh, were dealing with at the NLRB at the time was this idea of a joint employer. Yeah. And so, like, we have businesses in the U.S., like McDonald's, for instance, right. where the... There's a franchise. There's a franchise, yeah. and the franchise is seen as a legally separate business, yeah. and that has all sorts of implications about how you can organize them and who's liable for unfair labor practices and, and that sort of thing. The corporate parent isn't under right. like prevailing law, and we were trying, you know, we were trying to change that. And you know, of course, the defense is these are separate businesses; these are not our businesses. And what I always found funny about uh, undercover boss is. Mo- a lot of these were franchise type businesses and they were going to their franchises and like the premise of the show is that these are our employees right this is our boss these are our workers and we're coming out of our seat but like legally they want to say they're not their employees yeah so explain I, I almost, that i almost kind of thought like it would be funny if we if one of the cases we brought on this was one of the ones that was covered in undercover boss like like the buffets inc one which I I that. could have been a very plausible like case that could have been brought and they would immediately go, no, no, we don't run these buffet. We don't run these locations. These are all franchises. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, to, I like, I was absolutely serious and I would probably have suggested, why don't we I- enter the undercover boss episode into evidence where they keep referring to these workers <laughs> as their own. Yeah. <laughs> of course they are their workers. I mean, in every meaningful sense, but right. they've set up these ridiculous legal arrangements. Um, so Undercover Boss is this strange show that just kind of pulls back the veil on reality and like doesn't know it's doing it, um, which makes it a contender for one of the greatest pieces of art in the 21st century. Absolutely. So I let's, think uh, so. Let's go into some of our greatest hits. Let's go through the highlights. Here. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the first episode is about waste management. You're like, oh, it's, it is the company called waste management, like yeah. the trucks with the WM. You're like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, this is fine. And, but then the second one, you yeah. know, if, you, if you're like, all right, I'm going to try a second one, see what's going on. The second one gets you hooked and you never stop yeah. because it's the Hooters episode. It's the Hooters episode. Oh, my God. The, the Hooters episode. Okay. First off, the CEO of the Hooters episode, if I recall correctly was the son of like the former ceo so yeah. we're up the, and they, they'd like to introduce that to you yeah and this is the case you find for a lot of the ceos of these companies so prince hooters <laughs> is going to go to these hooters locations and see how the hooters girls are being treated and it's kind of like the whole thing is kind of fratty and attitude i mean it's hooters and i think they is this where i, I think this is where i learned the word restaurant no, the restaurant one or was, was Twin, Peaks. Twin, Peaks, Twin Peaks, which the Hooters guy comes back for, even though yeah. he seemed to have been totally disgraced. Yeah, he should have been. Yeah, but he not anymore. I, I need, need more of I this stuff. More. Even I want more. You know, it's like, did you watch the same episode I did? I would never come back to this. So thing. what I remember about about the Hooters app is the CEO, the the Prince Hooters guy, is hanging around at this Hooters establishment, and this this manager uh, is like a man named Jimbo. He's like a middle-aged Southern dude. This was in uh, this Tarrant County. This was this, this was, was in, in our, our backyard. This was in Tarrant County. This is in beautiful Tarrant County, right. Texas, North Texas, where we and we are from, Matt and I. And um, I guess I guess I should say because because we do have some international listeners. I've noticed that yeah. Hooters is a restaurant where the they sell chicken wings like uh, hot chicken wings. Well, they, it's just like a lot of fried, unfancy food. It's yeah, and it's like a sports prices. thing. And it, but Beer. but like the gimmick is you have like young women hot women hot women in like tight clothing and like it, hooters is a reference to breasts and that yeah. sort of thing and so like that the mascot is an owl like oh hoot 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 but the women they wear like these small tank tops and these little shorts and like the one i had a friend who worked at hooters and she said the test to work there is your boobs had to touch the wall before your nose did all right well that seems what, unlawful that probably she said that was how you got your job at hooters Okay. And um and so uh so that's how Ho- that's how Hooters is. It's just, it's 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 like you know, oh the chicks are hot and and the you know, sports bar, you know, whatever. And uh so anyway, so Hooters girls are like a quantity in the, in the United States. They're like a kind of an iconic thing at this point. So anyway, uh in, in this in this restaurant, Jimbo realizes they're kind of having a slow period and so he's like some of these waitresses uh, at least one of them gets to go home. I can let someone go off early. And of course, a lot of the women would, would prefer to go home early. 
And so he arranges a competition, which he refers to as his reindeer games. He's like, if you, if you want to go home. On camera. This is on camera. This he, is, and he, he knows there's yes, a camera. No, this is not a hidden camera This is camera not a thing. hidden camera show. So he's like, yup, the cameras are here. I'm going to do yeah. it. So this is where like there you're like you slip it's like you go from watching a reality show about t like labor to watching the hills have eyes or like deliverance and he's like all right girls one of y'all want to go home gonna have to play my reindeer games here's how it goes I'm gonna put a plate of beans down and whoever eats the beans fastest without using their hands can go home and so these women are like leaning over with their hands behind their backs, trying to eat beans off a plate with their faces as fast as they can while this like stodgy little middle-aged man stands behind them and is like, woo, doggy, yeah, come on, darling. That's <laughs> true. And like is like aroused. And like the CEO, the Prince Hooters guy is just kind of standing there in horror. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, this is what you want. This is what this whole place is about. Jimbo understands Hooter way better than Prince Hooters. This is like strictly about the exploitation and humiliation of women. Yes. It's the intersection of class and gender, and it's a place where you can get women to do stuff they don't actually want to do for money. You're right. That's the point. That's oh, the fun. Yeah, you see, you know, you see exactly why Jimbo, you know, the person who's attracted to managing Hooters is also takes it to that level. Um, also there was another part of the episode that I'm, uh, I think in one of the other jobs was like going out and like handing out coupons and like yeah. trying to reach the public on why to come to this store. Yeah. And one of the people came up to them while they were doing that and they were like, come to the Hooters. We just yeah. opened in st stockyards, whatever yeah. came up and was like, I don't support Hooters. I think you exploit women. Uh -huh. And like this also shocked him to his yeah. core. <laughs> and this was again also presented in the episode, which is really not well Just, done for the purpose yeah. of, of promoting Hooters. And this is like a Nana, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't remember the, but uh, there were a couple of people that it came up and yeah, was like, like no, I, you guys, you I know. don't think this is right. And the women, the Hooters, waitresses no, were I mean, forced to do it. But. Fucking Jimbo, he saw the reality and he sees it so clearly. Like Jimbo understands the fun of a place like this is that you use money, which is a form of power to get women to do stuff they don't want to do. And that's the fun. That is the fun we're having here. Yeah. That's Jimbo sees it. That's he the whole business. He sees it very clearly. He's like, no, no, no. The illusion is not that they're having fun or doing it because they want to. That's not the fun. We're not even trying to create that illusion. The fun is that they don't want to and they have to for money. That is the fun because that puts you in the driver's seat. You are the customer. You come in with the money. The customer is always right. The fun is that you are in control. Jimbo is a sicko and he should definitely be first against the wall. One well, and then, but he understands funny. capitalism. It's funny because the, the CEO also watches it happen. He doesn't yeah. interrupt it at all. No. And then afterwards, he's sitting in his truck. And he's like muttering to him. He's like, you know, I couldn't break my cover. I couldn't break my cover. He's like and a cop. Like, he's like an like, FBI agent. Like, really? <laughs> like, I mean, come on, dude. Like, I couldn't break my cover. I've been putting, I put two years into this sting. <laughs> but then he makes a call to like the regional manager yeah. and basically gets the guy fired. Yeah. But also I don't think he's, I, if this is a franchise store, I don't think he's allowed to fire the guy. Yeah. Um, and so somehow they push, push him out. Um, you know, but Jimbo's probably running a bunny ranch out in Arizona now. I don't know what happened to Jimbo. That would be interesting to see, like, if what effect this had on this dude's life. I'm sure he's uh, having a regular one wherever he is. Yeah. So that was the Hooters app. That was the Hooters episode. And then we have the the, the next uh, one, which I think includes one of the best bits in it, is the Popeyes one. <laughs> The Popeyes, they don't give us the CEO. <laughs> they give us... Uh, the, the, the the talent officer. The chief the talent chief officer. Chief CTO. Lynn, Lynn, I think her name Lynn. is. And, you know, it's the usual thing. She goes into the back of a, of a Popeyes and they try to teach her how to make the chicken and she's doing really badly. And, and the person is like, oh my God, this person's never uh, worked a day in her life and she doesn't seem to understand basic things like... 
Flour, batter, flour. Flour, batter, flour. You put in the flour, then you put in the batter, and you put it back in the flour. And she kept messing that up. And this guy just is like losing his mind as to like, how did she understand flour, batter, flour? She's like, do I put Um, it back in the same flour? (laughs) He's like, is there other flour? (laughs) I mean... Uh, so so there's this whole comedy about that. That's a funny. But then the best part of it is he goes on this rant, this employee that's a just normal Popeye's employee, where he's like, uh, he talks about the corporate clowns and the how the bosses cl- don't he does have a care class about analysis. them, and that sort of thing. And like, it's really, really good. And actually, I think I, I did isolate that. You got to let him speak for himself. That he's a bit genius. of audio. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play that now. Yeah. And then we'll we'll come back. Welcome to the show. Have you always worked for Popeyes? Yeah, so far so good. I gotta, you know, make my way up the corporate ladder. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to do? I actually met this training manager, and I like what she did so much because she could just see everything. Yeah. This lady's been all over the world, and I'm like, well, I want to do something like that. Yeah. And you never wanted to be a corporate clown? A corporate clown? Clown. You never wanted to be one of them? Well, uh, no, t- well, well, I... I would love to come in there with a button-down shirt on, with a tie on, and see everybody go frantic. Mm. Do they come to visit? Yeah, and some shouldn't come visit. This, uh, this complete and total... For no reason. Like, what are you mad about? You're not back here frying chicken. You're not back here doing none of these things. You came in here smelling like Dolce Gabbana cologne. You left out of here smelling like Dolce Gabbana. What are you about? Aaron is very open and honest, but of course I want to change his perception because I definitely fell into the category of a corporate clown for him. What would you do differently? I would check my stores better, spend more time with my employees, Mm -hmm. let them know that I'm here with them, and I'm always here with them. Like, if you need something, call me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not too far away. Have you you ever seen any of them act like that? No. None of them. Amazing. <laughs> you came in here smelling like Dolce and Gabbana cologne, and you left here smelling like Dolce and Ga- Gabbana cologne. What are you mad about? Why are you so upset? Where's the lie? <laughs> that's a, that's a lie. You're not back here frying chicken. Right. Why are you? What? 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 Why are you so pissed? You don't have to d- do real work. You just come in here. You saunter around in your suit. Everyone's afraid of you, and then you pop out, and you're still pissed somehow when you're living the life. That's his. It's it's unbelievable analysis. <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> He's analysis. He's like, I'd love to be a corporate clown personally. Yeah, yeah, and he wasn't even like, no. oh, these guys, they don't know the no. um, the dignity. Of they the don't know the dignity of real work with your real hands. They live in an air conditioned bubble. He's like, I want to be a corporate clown. Yeah, I take I w- it. That's a great job. You don't do anything. You come in with your cologne. And you kind of saunter around and stuff. Everyone's, and then you just leave. That's that's the life. That's the life. That's well, the life. You don't work. You get paid. It's wonderful. No more could you ask for. <laughs> and this lady's real struggling with it too. She's like, um, well, well uh, I want to uh, change his perception, of I'm course. <laughs> I I hope that I can uh, somehow make him see that uh, some of us clowns are uh, a lot of heart. <laughs> He's also a flavor. He doesn't edge quite into it, but there are some who is like, this was a bad employee. And they kind of like tried yeah, to treat that. him that way because remember he he like yelled over the counter at one point to a customer and was like, <laughs> no, he wasn't yelling at the customer. It was the front. It was like the cashier was yelling at him to get more chicken out. Yeah. And he was like, you keep yelling at me to get more chicken out. Like you didn't see this man bought up all the chicken. <laughs> like the guy that just, that just did the order before him had like ordered a hundred pieces of chicken for some event. And he was like, come on. And like the guy still standing there <laughs> who ordered all the chicken as well as the guy who's it, 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 it's wonderful uh, yeah but they they kind of put move that into like whoa we need to we need to improve this man's performance and attitude and that sort of thing that was targeting um, and then there was another part of this where um in the same episode i think one, uh, maybe employee number three or whatever yeah was this man who his job he he cleaned a popeyes he was the custodian i remember of that a popeyes and he was like really dedicated to his job and he would like clean the parking lots yeah like he would also scrub the parking lots and he would clean out the dumpsters not just like put trash in it and take the trash out or whatever he would go in with water and like scrub the dumpsters clean so the internals of the dumpsters were clean the outside dumpsters 
Uh, it was unbelievable. And like you could tell a little bit, you got a sense that he was, I don't know, um, mentally challenged or... He did seem to have maybe special needs. Yeah. And, and they show... That he's buying his own, own cleaning supplies. Cleaning supplies. That was so infuriating. His own cleaning supplies so because they won't buy... They the won't s- buy him the cleaning supplies, yeah. Yeah. That he needs to get that the job done. That he needs, right. I think maybe they would have some but not enough for him or they right. wouldn't buy the stuff that he actually needed for the stuff he was trying to do. Right. And so he would buy his own cleaning supplies to clean this Popeye's. And they're just like, wow, this is a wonderful employee. Yeah, that's how they play. They're like, oh, look how dedicated the job he is. <laughs> and you're just like, wow. And then the other part of it is that like to, 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 to add insult to injury, they show that what he does after work is he goes to a local church and yeah. feeds people like for free. Everyone, please just take a pause and uh, pray for this man and pray for him to pray for you because he's a saint. He's an anonymous saint. And he will be with Christ and uh, you will need him to intercede for you. You do get the sense that like, wow, this is like an unsung. He's like in maybe like a Georgia suburban Popeye's doing everything he can to keep it clean and do his duty and then also go feed people. And 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 like no one knows of this guy. No one's ever heard of this guy. And he seems like the best guy ever. And and they're just exploiting the hell out of him. Exploiting him. And and they exploit him even for the show. I mean, I think one of the gifts he gets at the end of the show is like cleaning supplies, <laughs> it's just, which I guess, you know, it did improve, you know, something. But it's, you're like, wow, this is what you this is a 10 quart. This is a 10 quart container of Windex is what you had for this guy. And this is what they're showing on TV about Popeyes. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, wow, uh, this is like most left wing agit. I mean. This agitprop. It's You're watching this and you were furious. Yeah, you want to absolutely go stand on the barricade. I need to go burn down a Popeye's. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sense I get after watching this. And it's just right on network TV with Popeye's participating. And you're just like, what is going on? What is going on? And then like you realize that I, uh, is my brain messed up that I'm the <laughs> only one who doesn't look at this and think like this is a feel good thing? Or does everyone else in America look at this and, and, and also see like, oh my God. This no, I mean, but you saw that headline today. It was like, Wow, when women have babies, their coworkers are allowed to donate their sick leave and vacation time to them. Thank you, boss. Right. No, that's actually what caused us to, to do the undercover. And it's a, it's a very similar thing. Yes. It's like, yes. thank you, sir. May I have another? But like that isolates the giving portion. Yeah. The show does everything up to it yeah. and shows you how awful, awful all this is. stuff is. And it's uh, just shocking. I cannot believe... Like, if I were to call Popeyes on the phone and be like, I'm a journalist. I'm writing a story about um, this man who's cleaning your store. And you're making him buy his own cleaning supplies? Yeah. Do you want to comment? Uh, No comment. No no comment. comment Do you want to put it on a network national TV? Hell yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, it's such a coup. Like, if if I I hope one day... Can you please show the jug of Clorox we bought him? I hope one day we learn of the, like, socialist mastermind who was, like, sitting there and just, like, grinding his axe on this and being like, wow, I actually pulled this off. Who was like, all um, you need to do is see it. And if you see what I see. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can get these guys to show what they're doing. All I got to do is tell them it'll be a feel-good story at the end. This will make money so, for you, you little pigs. They're so stupid hogs. that they will show the world how exploitive they are. Um, that and would they be bought horrible. it. They did it. <laughs> they did it. It was unbelievable. Um, okay, so we go on the next one. Yeah. This one, I think, um, w- this one really bothered me uh, almost more than the cleaning man because I could kind of relate to the the employee involved in this one. But it was Buffet's Inc. And Buffet's Inc. Uh, like runs a lot of the buffet things. So like Ryan's Buffet and there are a number of brands, yeah, yeah. but they're all under Buffet's Inc. Yeah. And the CEO goes into one of his buffets. I think it's a Ryan's Buffet. And one of the employees he talks to is this lady called Whitney. Mm-hmm. And Whitney seems like such a swell person. Just a really nice lady. Just such a nice... She's a mom. Mom. She she just seems really... She does her job really well. She seems really kind. and She's is very patient. 
Yeah, and she's the best trainer in the episode. She like some of the other trainers he had issues with, but he she was like really good at telling yeah. him what to do and being nice to him. Because remember, the premise of the show is that this guy he doesn't he's never been in restaurants before. He needs a lot of help, and like and she's like he's like it's okay, really patient. We'll get there. And then they get to the point where it's like, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your story. And we learn, or her husband shows up, and her husband also works at this store, at Orion's Buffet. So she's a waitress, and he comes, and I think he works in the kitchen. Yeah. And so they're both. So we got a husband and wife. They have two kids. They both work at the same Ryan's Buffet. Yeah. And Mom and dad both working full-time. Yeah, it's, I I don't know if they went into hours, but they yeah. they seem to be working as much as they can. Yeah. I, they may not be giving them forty hours. Um, and so we learned a few things. One, we learned that uh, that she just got a two week eviction notice from her landlord because mm. they can't make the rent. And we learn also in that process that they're close enough to the place that sometimes they walk to the store to avoid paying for gas because in you know if it's slow and they're not getting tips they may not be able to afford gas so you also get the double sense of like well if they get evicted they're also going to probably not be close enough to do that thing where they walk but they also the walking seems onerous it seems like maybe it's like three or four miles away or something um and they just do that to save a little gas um so you get that aspect of it and she's like yeah we i don't know we're gonna have to figure out what to do we don't have first months or safety or security deposit i you know i just i don't know again two people working full-time and then the killer is it's like well what's going on with your kids during the day and it's like well you know our shifts don't completely overlap so that helps to some degree Mm -hmm. because it's you know when he's at work, I'm at home. And when I'm at work, he's at home to some degree, but they do overlap a little bit. And so when they overlap a little bit, we have a family that we know that watches our kid. And then she says, I know. Yeah. This is the kicker. We don't put them in daycare because daycare is too high for people like us. And she pauses for a second. Then she goes for people like us. Not for me, right? not for us, not for my family, my situation, but for, for people like us. She, she's identifying with her, her class, class situation. Yeah. And it's like, I've never seen this on TV before. This, and, and it's like totally candid. She, I, I don't it imagine she's Completely matter of fact. Yeah, she's, she's like, like oh, for people like us. Daycare is too high for people like, like us. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, and you're like body tenses up, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And you know this man's the CEO, but she doesn't know. It. So she's telling the CEO that for people like her in her class, she can't afford basic childcare, and right. it's just a matter of fact kind of thing. She's not even necessarily complaining about it. She's just that's how she's explaining how to you is. how her childcare situation is to this guy. And, you know, and then, of course, the guy, you know, he's like, I'm really moved by this. Both of my parents worked in restaurants and we struggled growing up. And I'm glad she's so positive. My parents were positive even when we were in the toughest of times and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the of the show, noting again, two workers working apparently full time or somewhere near that at his establishment cannot support a family of two, a family of four, a normal kind of, you know, what you think of as a regular family unit. They can't support that. And he doesn't say, well, okay, well, I don't know. I guess I have to up the wage level or something like that. He says, okay, well, we have this new job called a hospitality manager or something like that. We're going to promote you individually to that. And we're going to double your pay. I'm going to pay off your car note and I'm also going to buy you a home. And she, of course, just, yeah. Oh my God. And you were like, wow, I feel really happy for her. Like she has a yeah, home yeah. now. She's going to, she's, she I can mean, put a roof over her, her children's whole head. life has changed after this. But yeah. then you're also like, what about the other people? What about the people like you? What about people like us? Every other person in that store at all these other stores, the people like us who can't afford daycare. Or about to lose their homes because they're trying to afford yeah. these things. Yeah. And you just like you just left hanging at the end. There's no answer to that. You just it's just sometimes you see inside the CEO's houses. Yeah. 
and they're like the the McMansion type because uh, they try to humanize them a little bit and show them with their kids and stuff. And their houses are always these just gorgeous. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah. At the beginning of each episode, it's kind of like, bye bye family. I know it's gonna be tough with me away for a couple weeks or something like that to do the show. And then yeah, of course it's like you know these are palatial. Yeah. Um, and the one guy who had the like one of the craziest. Um, housing situations, <laughs> mansions or whatever, who mm. was also just seemed to be mentally. That guy was so fucked up. up. Was Stephen Klubeck of Diamond Resorts. Diamond Resorts, the meaning of yes. He's the guy, he, his slogan for his company is the meaning of yes. The meaning which, of yes. Which is a kind of weird Zen quasi-religious <laughs> thing that he came up with. Meaning which, of yes, meaning of which yes. Which is just basically like, you know, everything a customer wants, we're going to say yes to, and it's our job to figure it out but and that sort of thing. while he enforces the most bizarre Byzantine shit on his customers ever and is in fact running a timeshare scam. Yes, Diamond Resorts, I mean, uh, at least a significant part of it is timeshares. Mm-hmm. Which is just, you know, a scam. Is it just a Meaning big, of yes. A big scam. Meaning of yes. I just remember like some, some woman, a, a desk clerk is trying to take a reservation or do normal hotelier activities and he's just hovering around her being like, this is not the meaning of yes. This is not the meaning of yes. Well, yeah, there, 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 there's one instance of that. But then there's another instance where a lady, she's the, the, st- she's the receptionist at the hotel. Yeah. People come up. But they've overbooked the hotel, which is normal, I, I gather. Um, in a, in a lot of these industries, yeah. you overbook because you know, probabilistically, you know, two percent of people are not going to show right. up, and so we should overbook by two percent. Like there's a there's a strong efficiency yeah, yeah. case for it, but like the probabilities don't always play out, and so sometimes you everyone does show up. Yeah, you know, and in that case, you have to like be like sorry we will pay for your accommodations at another nearby place sure. and like that's the most efficient way to allocate it that's the best way to make money etc cetera, etc cetera. you see this with airplanes yeah, as right, well right. and but then the lady's like but this doesn't seem like the meaning of yes to me oh <laughs> like, like she <laughs> but she's like it's sincere and yeah, meaningful she's like, like this isn't fair she's like well she's just like our whole thing is the meaning of yes and i gotta tell people that rooms are we don't have rooms. We don't have rooms. Like this doesn't make any sense. And then and then the guy, you know, he doesn't even say I'm going to change that policy. He's just like, well, you know, overbooking is part of the industry and that sort of thing. And you're like, well, then what is your gimmick? What is your meaning of yes gimmick if you're not willing to like buck that part of it? Um, yeah, the meaning of yes. But the guy, he's kind of got crazy eyes. Stephen Klubeck, he's got really crazy he's, he's eyes. There's something not right. And I saw this up, you know, about when it came out, and I didn't think too much of it. I didn't know who Stephen Klubeck was. But then a few years later, he started showing up on CNN and MSNBC as like a top Democratic donor. Yep. And like presumably he's holding himself out for this. Like, I don't know, the 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 people who book guests for this, I imagine, are not like sleuthing and trying. Oh, who's a top Democratic donor? Maybe like he presumably has a PR person who's like, can you go pitch MSNBC and have me come on? And he comes on to these shows. And you get, I get emails all the time where people are like, hey, I have an interview opportunity for you with this dumbass who wants to be interviewed by you. I'm like, uh, yeah, pass. Yeah, I mean, it could be helpful uh, sometimes. I don't think it's a bad practice, though. Obviously, it's a little bit weird when it's just like, well, I'm... Uh, when I want to interview you, you will know. Yeah, well, you know, someone being like, hey, I, yeah, I mean, it's weird to say interview only. Yeah. That's a weird thing. But if you've got something that you think's newsworthy or whatever, I, I, I can see it. It's just in his case, it's like, oh, you're the CEO of Diamond Resorts. Why should you be on MSNBC? Anyways, he he donates. He's a big Democratic donor. He apparently donated uh, one million dollars to the Hillary Clinton Clinton Super PAC. Um, priorities USA, he, more than a hundred grand to the DNC, three hundred grand to the Hillary Victory Fund. I mean, he he was all over donating to you know all these different Democrats. He goes on MSNBC and he says, "I can tell you, if we go far left, speaking of the Democratic Party, I'm out. I'm out. We need middle ground. It drives me nuts so much so it would make me quit the party. And I've made it very clear." I'll cut your money off and others will do the same. We've had enough. We need, need a new brand. So he goes right on TV yeah. and says, if you guys uh, go the too far left, left, 
we're gonna withdraw your money like he makes you know like they say the subtext text and, yeah. and like oddly makes the case the left has been making for a long time which is like if you take these guys money and you get dependent on that like they just pull it out from under you and and mess you up right if you try to attack left capital will pull out yeah and then you'll be flat-footed and right I, and like this is the game and like you got to try to find alternative ways around it to so that you're not you know dependent on it and then obviously everyone criticized you know it was all over yeah. twitter and whatever and he was kind of like a crazy twitter guy for a while <laughs> like like elon musk but he <laughs> did like clean it up and stop yeah um but he would like argue with random people online mm. and he had some tweets to defend his msnbc comments <laughs> where he said that and the tweets are one of them is when you pay 70 million dollars in tax in a year then you have a right to fight me I'm proud to pay, work hard, and perhaps you can be rich, wealthy, and not jealous. I'm a Democrat. Don't judge. Work your ass off. And then he says, creating 20,000 jobs, taking care of people, putting many kids through college. You must be a Bernie person that wants everything for free. Get a job and add to the GDP. It's okay to make money. You will realize when you grow up, everyone wants to do well. I am a Bernie person who wants everything for free, as a matter of fact. Timeshares. <laughs> Timeshares. What are you talking about? Your whole thing is just scamming people. Right. You corner them in a room and then you just like grind on them for a few yeah, hours. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this is actually a good investment. If you think about it, you could buy a time slice of an apartment in yeah. Miami and then you could come and it's sort of like a prepaid vacation. And then, you know, down the line, you could kind of sell that time slice to someone else. And so it's sort of like real estate in that sense. Isn't that great? Except, of course, no one ever wants to buy your timeshare time slice after the case mm. and it's not a, you know you'd be much better off just paying for your vacations and just sign here on the dotted line before you leave the room just yeah oh and uh, yeah there's all these scams and stuff they do yeah. to try to get people and it's like this is the guy who's grandstanding being like i work hard you can work mm. hard I, I really do i add to gdp i add to gdp what do you add to gdp you, ju you just suck money out of uh, people who don't realize timeshares are dumb there's no adding. That's a, you know, it's a transfer. Right. You're <laughs> an extractor. And like, this is the guy and he's in this episode and he comes back, I think, multiple times on this show. And like, it's just nutty and out of his mind. And you're, you don't, you're like, wow, CEOs are crazy. <laughs> like, uh, well, you begin to realize, I think that this is one of the big uh, revelations I had watching Undercover Boss is that part of how you get ahead in the corporate world is just by being completely batty and just by being like, I'm the greatest, I'm the best, meaning of yes. That's one thing to do. That's certainly and one like thing to do. And like kind of being a loon. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think for some of them, I mean, and yeah. it was always sort of like, I don't know, what's weird, yeah, it was some of the, the self-made ones were mostly like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was one of those people. He, he I think they opened the show and he's like, uh, you know, I, I thought about being a doctor or something like that, but that just wasn't going to give me the amount of money that I wanted to live my life. And so I realized I'd have to go into business. And and so I bought up a bunch of like really cheap, like failing uh, properties. And, you know, everyone was like, these properties are crap and they're going to fail and so on. But I turned them around and I made them work. Um and by, you know, doing timeshares and stuff. <laughs> you know like who that. else got ahead that way? Just by kind of being like completely manic is uh, is Elizabeth Holmes. We're in the era of, of the uh, we're definitely in the era of undercover bosses coming out from their cover and just being open bosses and like kind of taking the uh, the the curtain uh, away from from what goes into making the sausage. And that's definitely been the case with Elizabeth Holmes and the coverage of the fraud that went into that whole little hoedown undercover boss is a piece of that puzzle uh and so it's like just the open discussion of uh hey if the, if the democratic party tax left fyi donors are going to take away all your money that's just that's openly being the boss just you're, open, you're not an undercover boss because you're he's a, nutty you're, you're an out of cover boss he doesn't realize you have to be subtle yeah. about these kinds of things you are now a boss just straightforwardly in uniform acting as a boss of the democratic party right people don't even know that human rights. Remember when Elizabeth Holmes said that? She was like, Yeah. People don't even know that they have human rights. Something like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. I, I remember, I don't remember the exact content, but yeah. Yeah, her her, her speaking was, was always a little bit strange. And yeah, I don't know. She, there was something off about, um, 
We're going to take one drop of blood What's and like we're, we're going to tell you your entire future. We're like, there's the Steve Jobs cosplay, which right off the bat is like, you know. She's like, I put on a black turtle. Red flag, red everyone, flag. Everyone guys. thought I was Steve Jobs. This is the one who says she's Steve Jobs and dresses like him. Like, like if someone did that well, and she you saw them like at him. an institution, you'd be like, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Morning, Miss Jobs. I, mm. I favored deinstitutionalization, but I understand how this, how, how you got here. Um, you know. <laughs> but but here it's like give her the money. But this is why I favor. This is why I favor uh, coverage of of the of the fraud situation. There, it's why I it's why I extremely favor undercover boss because I feel like whether intentional or not, it's it's the cover being taken away from the boss. At the end of the day, the bosses might think they're undercover, but they're not undercover anymore. Oh yeah. The, the blows get made that they the, the, the shot you know yeah. I mean even in the process of but in the process of getting to the propagandistic end you yeah. still get huge bites out of these companies and you still get furious at the situation that they're putting these workers that they're showcasing in in a lot of cases and like uh, you know I think that's a huge that's why I said it's the best show of the 21st century it's a great show it's a it's a completely overlooked gem it's a masterpiece absolutely i'm gonna do a whole podcast in the elizabeth holmes voice one day <laughs> <laughs> i think you might you might get tired yeah i think point. i would I, I think i would that would come at some medical risk to me actually i wonder how she feels at night because that's not her real voice yeah i don't know i feel sorry for her to some degree but i definitely feel sorry for her you know but not that much yeah i don't know a little bit I don't know. I, I don't know how you get to that level. situation. I mean, when you do actually look kind of like you're out of your mind, you know, I do start to, the sympathy start to kick in a little bit. Uh, Cause you're like, Oh, well, you, you can't, you can't control the fact that you <laughs> have done all of this because you're, I mean, on one hand she seemed to be very smart. She was successful in, you know, certain institutions that you would assume did some weeding out of, but then again, she was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know who can say, who can say in this human drama? That's life. That's life. That's my two cents. That's the way it is. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye.